0: We are usually kind of heavily focused in a particular text in the Bible. Um, usually it's kind of more, hey, here's the text we're going to work through, and here's an expositional kind of teaching of that text. Um, tonight is going to be a little bit different than that. We're going to hop around to several different places. And um, if, if you don't have one of these little things I handed out, grab one of those. Um. You'll notice on kind of the bottom half of that, there's um, a few of our podcasts that I mentioned by date, which is how you can look them up online on our website or um, on iTunes or YouTube. Um, I don't want to just cover stuff in detail that I've already covered in detail, or at least didn't want to take the time to do that tonight. Um, So um, there's... Bordering on the topics that I'm going to talk about tonight, you can, if you want to go back and hear some more detail, you can look at those podcasts. Um, And then also, there's a a little resource list that I put there that, um, if you kind of just want a, a not too difficult or scholarly of a read, kind of accessible read to kind of just hear now, wait, what are you, why are you kind of doing church in this way or that way? Um, these books kind of give some idea behind what we're doing and said that they say it a lot more concisely and eloquently than I could put together. So um, I'd invite you guys, the, the first two books there, the Chester and Timmis books, they're on the copy table right here. If you don't have a copy of that already, I know most of you do, you can take that for just to read. You don't have to pay for it, just take it and read it. Um, the other two that I don't have copies of except my own um, are when the church was a family, and what's the mission of the church, which if you want to glance at those afterwards, you can. Um, but that's just, it'll kind of round out some of the stuff that I'm talking about if you, if you want to look into more detail. Um, so in short, we've addressed kind of a number of times that um, biblically it seems a good way to describe some of the activities of the church Um, are that they revolve around truth and revolve around love. And so applied kind of in ministry, we said that sometimes like one way to apply those is through teaching and is through um, the fellowship of believers. So Acts 2.42, which a lot of us have memorized, talk about the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. So um, we've we've actually talked quite a bit about that. tonight is going to be more just a little bit of vision into how we kind of practice these things at Noah church and um so like i said it's a little different um uh jen heather this isn't how uh, it always goes down um but this is kind of where there's um a few people that are uh heading on to other churches that are they're moving away and we're like hey let's just kind of refocus and say, hey, what, what are we about? And this is for everybody, this is for all of us. What are we about, what are we doing, what are our goals? And so um, I hope that it'll be good for everyone and I'm pumped about it. So let me just start by, by saying this statement in regards to what our goal is. Um, our goal, and I say our, I mean Mary Beth and mine and the, even the people that we kind of started this church with, our goal in North Hollywood and Los Angeles was not and is not to build a church. Um, even though we called ourselves church planters, and that was kind of the, I mean, a lot of people understood this is what we're off to do. Um, why might I say that? If, if our goal was to build a church, what types of things might we do, might we um, fall into? if? We came here to build or to start a church? Laser lights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe we would have a temptation, like if, we, yeah, if we're going to have a church, we well, we need to have a building, we, we need to have maybe, um, maybe there's a temptation that, like if you're going to have a church of, of a certain number of people, then maybe you might be tempted, Clayton, I think what you're saying is to um, get people to come to something um, with some kind of something that fascinates them. Um, what
1: Fundraising.
0: else? Fundraising. Fundraising, OK. We did do some of that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It, or to go off of that, Chelsea, like, y- you might have a focus of if we want to be a self-sustaining church after this many years, and we need to have this many people with this kind of an income or this kind of a tithing mm-hmm. um, background, mm-hmm. um, which, interestingly, um, what, what could be wrong with that, or what could, you could kind of fall into with that, is that um, you might start ministering to people who can financially support your church. Not saying that that always happens, but you might be tempted to say, well, who are the people that are going to keep this thing going? Um, and that's going to be rich people who are already Christians and have been top tithing their whole life, right? Those are, When it's like, well, actually, who are the people that Jesus is going after? Well, it's, it seems like he's spent a lot of time with the poor, and it's people who don't know Christ who don't know the first thing about tithing. So I don't know that that, like, we don't want that to be our focus. We have to get somewhere to be sustaining, so we have to have this amount of people. So, yeah, that's something that we might fall into, man, if we just try to build a church, that's what we have to do. Anything else you guys can think of? What? Our goal was just to build a church. What type of things might we do?
1: A lot of focus would be internal and staffing and growing and maintaining. Okay. So, yeah, just inward focus.
0: Yeah. I've seen this with churches, even sometimes before you have people at your church, you have a whole staffing plan. uh, and I've seen church planting kind of um, books and seminars on well, you, you know, you start with a senior pastor, then the next hire needs to be this person, the next hire needs to be this person, that kind of lay out a roadmap for you. These things aren't necessarily, some of these things aren't necessarily bad. I'm just, um,
1: maybe you like your ideas. competition, because you would start comparing yourself to another congregation and try to like, raise the standards so you can match them so it's almost really easy to compare like the reputation of the church or who are yeah. you attracting so it became like a competitive thing versus really to like go after what god wants us to do
0: yeah um, yeah that's so good so come on in y'all there's seats at the other end hey. um that's great joanna yeah that's um Honestly, whether we like it or not, I feel like a lot of people who are, um, whatever we're going to call this, I'm going to get to that, but there is a temptation to say, man, if we want to get people, if we want to gather people together, then whatever that takes, and a lot of times, I, unfortunately, what that takes is killing off another church and having a little better um, product of some sort, and, and there, there can be this strange kind of competition. Well, I'm starting a church, but there's these other churches over, you know, so that's a concern. All right. If if our goal was to get Christians together to have a worship service and get some of those people into a small group, um, I would do things. We would do things very differently, I think. Um, there are better ways to get people doing those things than, than what we're doing. <laughs> so what does God command his people to do as their mission? Is it plant a church? I don't... Make disciples. make disciples. Okay, make disciples. There we go. Um, interestingly, there's been this huge, uh, I don't want to get too far off topic, but there's been a huge push, and I think it's a healthy a good push to plant churches, my church, plant churches in America and the world. Um, but it, it's hard to find the, the, the command uh, in scripture, hey, go and, and, and plant churches. We can see clearly that a kind of a discipleship ministry, go and make disciples. God actually makes clear in in the Bible who will actually be building God's church, which is who whose job is that? God, yeah, God. I'll, I will build my church, He says in Matthew 16. So that's that's kind of God's job, His promise. So understandably, and I don't want it. May, some of this may be semantics, but that's. This, this is what God is going to accomplish. And of course, we want the things that God is going to accomplish. And we want to agree with his will in that. Um, but instead of our goal just being like building a church and some of what you might fall into with that, I want to just go back to where I hope we've landed a hundred times since we started of a, a mission that's given by Jesus to his followers of making disciples. Making more followers of his. Why do I always go to that's Matthew 28, we, a lot of us have memorized it. Why do I always go to that passage? What's the significance there of that passage? Or what are some of the significance? Those are the last things he gave: to do.: One of the last things that, that we read that Jesus kind of communicated to his disciples, yeah, what else? I'll tell you what else. Going along with that, he's about to leave for a long, long time, at least almost 2,000 years, right? Um, so he has some some final words, or some, some of his final words. And also, interestingly, he gives this command to go and make disciples, and all that comes with that, to, to his disciples of the time. But part of that command is make disciples of all nations, which the Twelve, or whoever was with him at the time, that would, that would be an impossible feat for just those few amount of people. So we understand this as a command, not just to those disciples, but as an ongoing thing. Wow, well, until there's disciples made in all nations, this is still something that is on, an ongoing process. Does that make sense? So a significant thing that Jesus says that's going to take generations and generations to complete. So can it, does anybody know that Matthew uh, 28, verse 18 through 20, they can just say it? To
1: go there to and make disciples
0: of all nations. So it starts with Jesus yeah. said to them, All authority. Yeah. Heaven yeah. and earth. So go, to the go therefore. So go and make disciples of all nations, <laughs> of all nations <laughs> in the name yeah. of the Holy yeah. Spirit. And teaching yeah. them everything to everything. observe. Yeah. Observe all everything.
1: <laughs> this is good.
0: This is, yeah,
1: yeah. This is, this is
0: so good. <laughs> Uh, yes. And behold, I'm with you always, is. even or the <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there, we all gotta yeah. hide. Put that all together. Collectively, we get the gold star. Where is what? If we ever, I should have just focused on one person there. If we ever forget what our lives, what church life is, is. Is pushing towards and what we're about. I think we can go at least to this place of of making disciples. And when we landed on kind of ministries in our church revolving around truth and love being kind of some of the central activities in our church, they should support that mission that we have of making disciples. Our success, I would say, as a church, largely depends on our obedience to the command, which means He's not gonna. God isn't measuring our success by if we have a location, if we have a building, if we have lots of people coming to a service or an event, if we have wealthy enough members to keep things going as they are, um, or if we're better than the next church down the street. Um, Another way just kind of to look at it is if you, if we are making disciples, wherever that's happening, then the church necessarily exists. If we're making disciples, the church exists. On the other hand, if you plant a church, or, or some of the ideas that we were talking about that come along with that, you, you may or may not actually be making disciples. You may be kind of calling people over to your business at the expense of another business. Um, or you may kind of run into some of the issues that we just talked about. So I, I haven't emphasized it enough. I would love to continue to just emphasize, and if somebody asks you, hey, what, what's your church about? What's your real goal? I think we should say to, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And there's, of course, so much that you can add into that. But um, that's, the, that's the direction that we're heading, the goals that we have. Um, honestly, I don't think we get significant argument from other churches. I've taught no other pastors around and in other places. And um, there, it's not a, that's not a particularly arguable thing. But that's an important ministry, at least in the church. Um, in fact, I was just hanging out yesterday with a pastor, a local pastor here in North Hollywood, and the way that we see it as advantageous to go about making disciples is drastically different, but I feel very, very much on the same page with him um, and, and with the philosophy of ministry of the church, um, understanding that we do have this kind of underlying goal together of making disciples of Jesus. There's different ways to kind of think through doing that. But I want to tell you tonight um, why we kind of go about making the disciples that we do as opposed to some of those other ways. I'm not trying to say that our way is the best. We. Um, I'm also not trying to say we're the only church doing things a certain way. I think that our, our church kind of setup is a bit of a minority of, of what I could see around. Um, but I will say, I think the the, the concepts of um, our church structure are conceptually strong, and I think biblically reasonable, and they're supported by our board. They're supported by our sending church cornerstone, and their global ministries team, and supported by many of you all in this room, oh wise ones. So this isn't just some like random thing that's happening, but. Um, but we're doing something that's a little bit unique, not entirely unique, and I can't say whether it's better than the next church or worse than the next church, but when all is said and done, and I can honestly tell you all, it's taken me a while, um, seeing as this is my, this is the main thing in my life, this, this church family and helping to lead this. It's taken me a while to get to the point of being able to, to honestly say from my heart that I don't care what the church looks like so long as it's biblical and the requirements of the Bible and so long as it's producing disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, if there's better ways to do things, then let's let's switch and do that or let's join another church that's doing that. Um, but we do what we think is best at the time. And so here's what we're doing. Uh, so I just want to kind of describe to you. I put a few bullet points there. Um, come on in. Come in.
1: Um, are we over there? Yeah, Hi. the
0: more chairs are over there. Um, describe to you just some of our philosophy of ministry of making disciples and how that translates kind of into our format as a church. Okay, So I know it's different than usual, but... Um, First of all, and, and, and let me say again, this is not to incriminate or say that other churches are just doing wrong things. Um, I, am I clear on that? Like, uh, it's This is not pitting us against them and saying we've figured it out. Because honestly, I don't know what we figured out. Maybe you ask us in 20 years and we'll tell you how, how this went. Um, First of all, I put it on your outline there, discipleship is, is personal. People must be known to be effectively discipled. Sticking people into a kind of one-size-fits-all conveyor belt formula may be um, efficient in a kind of homogeneous context where everybody's kind of the same. but maybe not so productive in a diverse congregation or diverse area such as Los Angeles. Everyone is drastically different. All of us come with drastically different worldviews. Some of it is correct what we've grown up with and some of it is not correct. Some of us are challenged in different ways. Some of us learn in different ways. Um, And so we, here at this church, we kind of favor the smaller group, intimate relationships that meet like actual specific discipleship needs versus the larger group programs and events that kind of meet a more general need. Or here's, the, here's the, some of the lowest common denominators that everybody needs to know, and so we're gonna, um, we're gonna throw that out there. And um, practically what this means in our church is, as you guys know and as you're seeing tonight, our primary meeting context is in homes. Um, which homes max out in size, right? 10 people, maybe 30 people, depending on how big your house is here in LA, probably not much more than that. Um, I'll ask you guys this, why, why might it be advantageous to meet primarily in smaller contexts like a home? If discipleship is personal. Intimacy, welcomes people into your life. Intimacy, it welcomes people into your life, hopefully. Yeah. The pastor's watch, is really good at keeping a nice home? benefit <laughs> <Every laughs> here, yes. Right, that keeps the very nice home.
1: No, all pastor's wives are good enough. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> it's not a place that you go only every Sunday.
0: It's not you what?
1: It's not a place that you go only every Sunday. OK.
0: Yeah, so there's this, we hang out in our homes, too, and do other things besides, Christian gatherings or at church buildings. A lot of times it's like you go to the church building to do the church things and then you do your own regular life in other places, so this kind of mixes the two.
1: It lends itself to like family mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What? It tears down a lot of walls like right away. Yeah. You can't really hide when okay. you're meeting
0: in people's homes. Yeah, you can't hide. I was going to say, for some, it probably puts up walls. Like a really strong introvert, it's like, oh gosh, this is the worst <laughs> thing. But, um, but yeah, everyone is is going to be known. I mean, you're going to be around for a little while, and then eventually, you're going to be known. And and people are not um, not easily going to slip through the cracks, <laughs> right? Right. Um, okay. Also, another practical side of this is that I, the lead pastor, am not going to try and disciple 50 people per 100 people. Say the Lord brings growth to this church. Um, I can't, even at our church size of 25, 30 people, I can't intimately know that many people. Um, Years and years ago, the 50s maybe, I don't know, at some point, uh, probably not that far back, but we, we come up with this kind of senior pastor model where people go to the pastor for all types of ministry, the, the one dude, and that, you know, you can kind of make that work in a church of 100 or a church of 200, but when you start getting mega churches, there's, there can be some some problems when everybody wants to go to the central um, person. Um, I, I feel like I can't even do that with, with 25 of y'all and know and intimately 25 of y'all. And, and I think, well, what happens when we become 50 people or 100 people? Jesus discipled 12 dudes. like He was intimately involved in those guys' lives, and specifically three of them, even more, it seems. I'm going to try five or six, and that's not going to cover everybody here. So how else is everybody else going to experience discipleship? Well, we're all going to be a part of that. We're going to be discipling one another. So discipleship doesn't just come from one central pastoral source but it's gonna come from a number of different people. So, our plan in, in making sure discipleship is personal is not to go to a regular, large group, centralized weekly worship service where a couple people from the front are trying to make disciples of a couple hundred people in the congregation. Um, we will have, I mean, if the Lord brings growth, we will have larger group gatherings And our second Sunday gatherings, that's kind of the design of those. They're a larger group gathering. Um, And those are perfectly suitable for certain types of ministry, right? Like even teaching ministry. I think if you're instructing people, you can potentially do that to a lot of people. If you're praising God together in song, you can potentially do that to a lot of people. Um, When it comes down to one-on-one discipleship over daily life, you can't do that in that kind of context, so we don't want to make too much of a priority of just that big, large group gathering. So our primary context will remain, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but smaller, where we can practically live out the realities of Scripture, the family of God, and knowing and caring for one another, and we call those fellowship groups in not church. Um, Even in that, even in our fellowship groups, which are 15 people, 10 people, 20 people, or somewhere in there, you all know, especially if you're in the bigger group, that even that is hard to have a lot of intimacy with the 18 people sitting in a living room, right? Um, The central group, was small enough to, I, I hear that y'all, I mean, you get quite personal and you're following up with everybody, what's going on in their saga of life every week. And so there's a lot of intimacy there. Um, but, and, and the purpose of the fellowship group is really to live out these kind of family and body analogies of scripture. Uh, but that accountability at the deepest level, especially when you have kids running around and different you know, things going on during our, our weekly fellowship meals, Um, sometimes it's just not going to be there, right? So that's why we have what we call 203s, um, which are informal, um, but just this desire to have everyone as part of our church have two or three other people who they are going beyond our times of teaching or large group gatherings. They're going beyond the fellowship meal discussions and they're digging down into the kind of real nitty-gritty of life and, and spending time together even more than those once-a-week type gatherings. Um, so each of us in the church belong not only to the God's church, universally Noho church, but we also belong to fellowship groups, and we also should feel a responsibility and accountability to even a, a, a smaller chunk of, I'd say, two or three people as a recommendation. We're going to talk more about two or threes in uh, hopefully this year and kind of line out what some things that could be helpful in this intimate relationship. Um, let me move on. Discipleship is modeled in real life. Um, we learn in different ways. We learn information on how to live for Christ. Um, but we learn not only by instruction, but we learn by imitation. Just to kind of put uh, put it simply. Jesus says, he says, follow me. It's not just that I'm going to preach to you for three years, but he tells us to follow me, come and see. Um, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's a a modeling, there's an imitation. Um, And I'd say we can arguably learn more by seeing how something is done than by being told how to do it, right? That's why we watch YouTube instead of read manuals anymore. It's like, oh wow, I can see it being done and Um, that's helpful our new life in christ isn't just a spiritual concept to be communicated but it affects our and seeps down into our everyday life and much of jesus's teaching who were disciples of jesus happened as as life happened he taught like come and see and occasion by occasion something would happen and he teaches disciples uh, what to do and what how to think and what to know um, so as a church, all I have to say, we favor discipleship moments um, in everyday, common contexts over or, or more often than Christian discipleship sterilized um, programs, if you understand what I mean by sterilized. just removed from real life and teaching, say, in a classroom setting. Not that we won't do those things, but we kind of favor this discipleship where I can actually see this person living this particular way. So our discipleship goes beyond the classroom. It even goes beyond the the coffee shop type meeting where I'm communicating information, we're learning from each other. But it, it goes to the workplace and it goes to raising kids and it goes to making dinner with each other and learning through all of those things how we uh, can honor Christ. So um, an example of that, I grow tremendously in my evangelism watching Mary Beth evangelize. It's, I won't say infinitely, but it is more helpful to me than reading a book on how to share my faith. And I can see a gifted evangelist sharing her faith. I can I learn a lot better, and I've become a much better evangelist because I'm around her. that. Um, thirdly, discipleship is every disciple's responsibility. Um, are y'all you all have heard the eighty twenty rule before on a lot of different things? Um, one thing that I really appreciate that I think came out of Saddleback and Rick Warren is this. Phrase that I think he coined. I might be wrong, but every member, a minister. Um, I think that's a, a biblical, a good biblical concept when you consider gifts and what 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 the Lord calls us to. Um, all disciples should care about making disciples, not just leaders. So all Christians are gifted by God and should be working out that gifting for the common good. Even if it's a person taking out the trash, and if they're doing that, then they better do it to the full, as under the Lord, as an equally important part of the body. If, if that was, um, if that makes sense. I've been on church at, at churches, on staff at churches with uh, a lot of people, thousands of people, at the last couple of churches. Um, we would get excited as a staff, like the the, the paid leaders of the church. The pastors, we would get excited when 30 people were living radically for Jesus, where you can look at their life and you say, I can see clearly in the decisions that they make and the way they live that they have been born again and they're thinking and acting very differently and counter-cultural, different than the world. We would get so pumped about that, as we should. The problem with that is. That was 2% of the church that we were just like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting, what is happening with these people, or even within the staff. What happens when someone walks into an environment where 2% of the people are living out um, a way that actually demonstrates being born again, that's diluted Christianity. And the type of growth that we can expect to see somebody as they enter that context of uh, they're being immersed into a church culture of, can I say bench warmers? Like a lot of of churches, right? This isn't, um, this is every church good and bad that I've been a part of, every large church anyway. There's there's a large chunk of the congregation that is sitting there and kind of ingesting a few things and they leave and that's the extent of their Christian life. when you're immersed into that culture, take a new believer, somebody that doesn't even know Christ. Um, what's your what's your discipleship going to look like? Um, but probably sinking just kind of in with the crowd. Um, we want, of course we want what I'm about to say, but we want the majority culture of our church to be disciple makers. And I'll call it immersion. Like, if you live in Mexico, you will learn Spanish if you didn't know it before in time. That's what immersion does, right? You see it all around you, and so you pick it up faster. Um, Is it okay that someone join us and kind of check things out, and they're trying to decide, do I really want to give up my life, and do I want to follow Christ? Of course that's okay. Um, But in time, people that that join us should decide um, whether they want to actually follow him and follow some of his commands, including to make disciples. Uh, because that's what I see. All these Christians around me in this church are committed to, um, or they'll decide and admit, "Hey, I don't want to do that. That's not the type of life that I want." Um, which means there's no reason really for them to go through the motions of being a part of our church. So, uh, does that make sense? Kind of this immersion idea that the, the, if the majority culture is people who are following Christ and saying, "Yes, I want to. I want to make disciples too," then when people get moved into that, it's a it's a Discipleship culture that encourages that new person to to do the same. I'll just say, no Christians should be comfortable for very long not being a disciple maker or not moving towards that or being interested in that. Um, they should look around our church and think either these people are crazy and I don't know why they're doing this, or I'm not doing quite maybe what I'm called to yet. I don't want to join them in this. Fourthly. Um, And we've talked about this in the past before. Our main discipleship tool, um, at least at this church, for non-believers, or evangelism you could say, is our church itself. The clearest display of Christ is how his disciples love one another our Christian fellowship as I've talked about before in many ways offers proof of what we believe according to John 17 our influence in the community here in Los Angeles is how we stand out as an alternate community to the community here in Los Angeles our goal um, and You can argue with me on this, not right now, but um, our goal isn't to make the world, make this world a better place. Our goal is to make disciples of Jesus, which will be clearly seen in how the church community lives. Now, I realize that some of this depends on your eschatology, your, your end times view, but fixing the problems in secular society may be a losing battle. we, the church, instead can be a, a foretaste of the heavenly community of God. Now I can sympathize with people and do with, with Christians who want to kind of reach into society and help try to, to tweak things and fix things and make them more like God's heart. Like I understand that there's a good heart behind that. But we better not fight those battles in the same way that the world is fighting those battles. Like you better be careful marching side by side with worldly people to accomplish something. Second Corinthians 614, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Listen, what part partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we, speaking to the church, are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Obviously, from other New Testament teachings... God doesn't want us to to be unengaged with the lost, with the sick, with the hurting. Um, We don't need to create a separatist, Christian kind of commune to do that thing. But we don't yoke ourselves together with godless solutions. Our evangelism isn't, to put it another way, our evangelism isn't, hey, join us. We're, we're going along with the best versions of fallen humanity, and we're involved with all of the right things, but still under the power of the prince of the air, Satan. Our evangelism is come join how we live as disciples of the true king, and we submit our lives to King Jesus, and we live this abundant life differently as a city on a hill. Our community is a witness to the lost community around us. Um, have you all heard this before? When, when a Christian says, "If you if, if you want to know God, then don't don't look at Christians. Just look at look at the Bible and look at Jesus, and don't don't look at those those Christian people at church." Right? And I understand that. i I've, I've probably said the same thing before. But I think that God calls us the body of Christ. He calls us the temple of the living God. He says that we're empowered by God's Spirit that we're a lamp that's not to be hidden under a basket so uh, Paul says that we are people through whom God spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere people should be able to look at the church and see an element of who God is and he doesn't look like the failing world around us so we're going to be most focused on, on loving and caring for each other, our family, and that, that speaks something. It's a discipleship tool, if you will, that speaks to the community as, a, as an alternate community that we have. All right, so we have seen um, before, and like I said, I, I didn't cover this tonight, but we've seen that the activity of the church, and a number of us came up with this, but the activity of the church involves ministries of truth and love Kind of was summarized by Acts 2.42. The mission of the church involves making disciples, as summarized well by Matthew 28, 18, or 19. And um, some of these things I've shared tonight is just some of our kind of philosophy of a discipleship culture where people are known, we know each other, and we set things up to, to get there. Imitation happens, modeling happens over real everyday life, not just in a in a classroom context. Everyone is included and accountable in making disciples. That's all of our job. And our main discipleship tool or evangelism tool for the lost is our church community itself. All of these things kind of contribute to to why we organize and do some of the things the way that we do and what makes us um, um, unique in some ways. Other churches have other emphases, and as, again, as long as they have the goal of making disciples and they're being careful with how they, how they live that out according to Scripture, they're not neglecting God's Word in it, then they have the freedom to do that. And honestly, they may be more effective than us in, in God's economy. I don't know. Um, but we can't do everything and focus on everything and praise God for other local churches that may do other things well. Um, so the kind of another question in your outline there, why do we organize things the way that we do? Um, I want to just have you all answer some of these questions and see what you think. Um, and some of you all won't know our terminology here, but why why do we have fellowship meals on Sunday? What's why might we do this?
1: is what the early church did too.
0: Yeah, it seems to be modeled some similar type of things, in, in the early church and church history a love feast or agape feast. Um, Okay. That's a good reason to do something like that <coughs> why else would we have fellowship meals
1: because it <coughs> we gather as a family and that's something that families do okay.
0: yeah feels like a family
1: when you're like expected to bring something to a meal it's just <coughs> communicating like a type of investment that it's way way easier to just like walk into a church service and then Take, 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 and then leave. Whereas, yeah. like, when you go into someone's home and prepare something to eat for everyone mm-hmm. and then like share together, it's like way more of an investment. Yeah, I'm and already you plan participating. For it, and you, like, buy the groceries for it, and, like, yeah. which is a practical way to show investments. Good, it, yeah. We'd like to know each other more. Yeah, it's, it's
0: a, a great context to, um, to get to know each other. It's very casual, it's very informal, and um, unless you have somewhere to be. I mean, we hang out for a long time sometimes, and um, we have lots of time to talk. So. It's
1: time to share and pray.
0: Yeah, it's a really great context for, like, the way that I understand Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching of fellowship. The breaking of bread and prayers, I kind of think maybe is a part of the fellowship, possibly. And so what do we do in our fellowship meal? But we, we break bread, including communion, and we a lot of what we end up doing is prayer. Um, and it's a good context for that. And we can see God answer prayer, and we can talk about that, and we can follow up with people on those things.
1: Eating is also very intimate.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's... A little mystical almost, but it's like, man, just something happens when you're eating together that kind of unites people. Especially if you're sitting around, sometimes, depending on your group, but we're sitting around a table and you're like looking at somebody. You you, you have to interact. I mean, you're, you're forced into it. So um, some of us do that better than others, or I should say, some worse than others. I'm think about myself. Yeah, good. um I like what you said, Chelsea, and, and not just with bringing food, but anybody who has the opportunity to bring something to the church, from uh, scripture to an encouragement or a prayer or whatever. It's, it's participatory. Um, good. Why, why do you think we have fellowship meals on weekends? Or why is that where we started? Like, why do we pick Sunday um, for that day? It's not always necessarily has to be Sunday, but why do you think that would be...
1: Most people have
0: already set it aside. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's church day or that's weekend. That's just a time that, for the majority of people, that's the most available time. Yeah.
1: It's normally a day of rest. And so it allows for extended time.
0: Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, good. Why, uh, why would we have kids around at the fellowship meals?
1: They should watch.
0: Why should they watch? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, everything. No, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Just building on what you were saying, it's the children learn what they see, mm-hmm. not just what they hear from their parents. Yeah. They learn fellowship by watching parents fellowship. They learn yeah. the family.
0: Yeah, they're part of our family. I, that, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, we're certainly called to make disciples of our kids, so let's let's model for them what that looks like. I mean, I would say, man, Levi and Noel have a, a much stronger understanding of of what the church is meant to do than, um, than some other church context that they could have grown up in, because they see their heroes and their parents or other people Praying together and encouraging each other and pouring over the scriptures together and man, and, it's, and they, they have learned to pray in that way and it, you know. Mm-hmm. like what about the We can learn from them too. What's that?
1: We can learn from them too.
0: Ah, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's there's a
1: lot yeah. of learning lessons that kids just teach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like as well the aspect of like in a, in a the regular church model per se like the parents sort of like stick together and then like the kids have like their own thing and but like in this model it's like like us and the Moonies are well now we got the Stepanians too are the ones in this the group that means here that have kids and then like everybody else doesn't have kids yet so like they get to be exposed mm-hmm. to what it's like to be parents and like what it's like to try to follow christ while you're a parent and yeah. like where that probably wouldn't happen as naturally in a large church because it's like we go to the parents group or like we find mm-hmm. we, we're trying to find other parents yeah. that are i think just being ex- and then we parents are reminded of like what it's like to be in college and like that it's not yeah. like you haven't like arrived because you're a parent but there's like other stages of life too that you can learn from people in different yeah stages so, yeah. too and shoulders with those people and not and you just get so much perspective as a parent like
0: having other people that are not parents in your church yeah that's good so so we get uh it it can be distracting having kids around and there's flexibility in this i mean it's not bad if we put the kids down or they play in the other room for a while or whatever i'm not trying to say we have to be rigid and having them around excuse me at every moment but um there's certainly some advantage to it and and when we when we feel like man they're distracting from what we're doing Um, That's when I have to remind you that we also have another kind of level of involvement, this 203 that I've talked about. Um, We might not be able to have lengthy, in-detail adult conversation at every fellowship meal. Sometimes we do because we've been kind of few on the kids in in our church's history so far. Mm -hmm. But man, imagine a church with eight or ten kids, and that's going to change drastically, and we're going to be depending on some other times of the week to have some more in-depth conversation right um why well i'm not going to answer this one why church teaching why local church teaching as opposed to i'll just teach myself or i'll listen to a matt chandler podcast um i've i've answered it probably at nausea but in short <laughs> god gives the church pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and um 1 Corinthians twelve tells us that one body part can't say to another body part, "We don't need you." Like that's God's given our church teachers, and that's um, we have to utilize them. Um, well, last little question here: Why, why do you think we have teaching midweek? And it might not always be midweek, but why do you think we started with that Wednesday night?
1: Shorter. Okay. I, I would say we sometimes we just like coast along like where maybe say right after Sunday, like uh, you could, I guess you could say you feel on fire after like a good, you know, surrounded by believers and everything. And then as a couple of days go by, you might, I don't know, have a, have a I don't know, like for me, um, I'll just get comfortable with just readings and stuff on my own and just that's all I'm doing. And then when we have a midweek teaching like in a middle of the week but now I'm like more focused and I don't know. I'm yeah. uh, getting edified.
0: That brings your attention back. It's a good halfway kind of connecting point. Again, I'm health day. These things what's that?
1: It's
0: health day. Yeah. <laughs> we um <laughs> We, we might not always do things this way, but this just so you know, this is, these are some of the reasons that we threw that on Wednesday. I know 7.30 is too late for some people, it's too early for some people, It doesn't. but it seemed at the best time to be the best option. And, um, we'll, we're gonna talk about other options in the future. I, I mentioned somehow to y'all that January and February, we're gonna talk about, hey, is this the best kind of meeting times and places and stuff? Um, since we have several people that are leaving, I'm going to just hold off on that till February, and we'll kind of work through that and just make sure we're doing the thing that makes the most sense. But, um, and I'll, I, I'm not going to ask this question because I don't, I'm getting close to time. We don't, have, we don't plan a lot of other events. You may have noticed that we say we want the whole church to come to this trying to free up our schedules to actually be Christians over everyday life and not just be tied up with Christian activities that try to tell us how to be Christians over everyday life. Um, We actually want to live in that. And um, because our faith affects our daily lives, it doesn't, our faith doesn't just lead us to a Disneyland for Christians where we get all this stuff that we want, right? But it actually affects the way that we live and so we don't want busy people up too much up for that. Though I'm gonna tell you in a minute here some things that we have coming up. Um, again, some of these things may, may change in the future, but just kind of this is some of the reason that we landed kind of with where we landed right now. Um, if you're I don't know if y'all are, are thinking this to yourself. Um, well, let me say this. What's kind of expected of a member of our church? Um, We've talked recently about this, a commitment to the ministry of the church, organized and organic ministry of the church. Um, The the organized kind of ministry of the church, like this being one, is kind of meant to be a rallying point. This sends us out into the more organic ways that we minister to one another and in the world. Um, We expect, like I was saying from number number three there, we expect that everybody is going to... that, that's committed here with us is gonna care about disciple making. Um, and then there's also an element of submitting to church leaders that we can find. You, know, you may not like the sound of it, but there's no getting around Hebrews thirteen seventeen that says obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will, who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So we're going to talk about that, like elders, leaders, more um, really later this year, I hope. Um, but that's, that would, would also be, I think, a biblical expectation of, of church membership as well. So um, so here's, here's what I was thinking. I told this to Mary Beth last night as I was kind of preparing a lot of this stuff. Um, I am concerned that we will hear, that you all will hear about the, the ministry of our church and the organization of our church and think in some ways that this sounds boring. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, we're not a flashy church, mm-hmm. we're not an entertaining church, um, we're not hoping to be those things.
1: Unless you watch Blaton
0: if you watch Clayton, yeah, I forgot. Clayton, keep doing the
1: <laughs> we, <are, laughs>
0: we, we are not an adventure-seeking church. I'll just say that. Um, some of you came to this church and you thought, man, I've never experienced anything like this before. This is exactly what I'm looking for in a church or I've been missing in a church. And then months later or years later, you're thinking, is this it? Like, This is, this is all we're going to do? And so I want to just speak to that because a lot of our ministries is about making disciples over everyday life. I don't know if I use that exact phrase, but that's kind of a lot of what we do. That might sound boring, but if you're bored with the idea of making disciples over everyday life, I want to give you three things that speak to that. First of all, you're going to be bored with most of the New Testament letters that are speaking about Being a Christian in everyday life. If you're bored with making disciples over everyday life, then you might be missing the supernatural work that God is doing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not talking about the sun standing still or someone having a vision or somebody unexplainably being healed of cancer, though those things might happen. But what I'm talking about is missing when someone in our church chooses not to gossip. It's because God is supernaturally changing that person by his spirit. When Mary Beth learns to love me unconditionally, that is supernaturally empowered right That's supernatural at work. When you when we deny ourselves when we deny ourselves of sexual pleasures outside of marriage, you are seeing the powerful work of God fighting against the very fibers of our flesh and fallen society this is a a work of god when i choose to voluntarily give my money or resources to meet somebody else's needs that's evidence of god at work Mm -hmm. i've been so fortunate to be able in the last couple of weeks to rejoice i don't know if i communicated with these particular people but rejoice with it a couple of people in our church over these seemingly small things that I think in God's economy are huge and it's, a, it's the power of his spirit work in people's lives and I'm rejoicing that God is doing these things because it's the supernatural power of God that can't be explained um, in another way. Y'all, it is just as hard for me to be supernaturally selfless in a given situation than for it is for me to supernaturally heal your broken arm. Yeah. God is working powerfully in both of those things, and we can't miss the, the not-quite-so-super-supernatural stuff. It's all supernatural when we're talking about the work that God is doing in us. We can't do any of these things apart from Jesus. So when we get bored sometimes, maybe we're just not tuning in to God's economy and God's way of thinking and seeing things. So I think we need to celebrate with enthusiasm when we see in each other God's spirit conquering our flesh um, thirdly if you if you happen to be getting bored which I have been bored at times or think man is this it um, then maybe you're looking for a fix outside of the gospel we all have gotten bored with our salvation I hate to say it um, or, or I think that's true maybe Y'all, we have life after death, and um, I'm not just talking about eternal life after you die here, but what we have been brought back from the dead. We we're dead in our trespasses and sins, yes. made alive together with Christ, yes. and now we get to enjoy together learning how to live this life as God intended for our good and pleasure and for God's glory and pleasure. And regarding other people, there's joy, the Gospel of Luke says, before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Like I doesn't say they rejoice when you get a new job or when you've completed a Christianity 101 class or when you get a bunch of people at a church event. There's joy when a sinner repents. That's supernatural God of working. Lots of people, like we all want to get excited about different things, but we need to learn to get excited about what God gets excited about, and that is the effect of the gospel on those who believe. Um, so, the, the last thing there—just where do I see the church going? Honest, this church—I don't know. I know that God's going to build His church, um, but here I don't know what that's going to look like. If if that—if God provides numerical growth to our church and we kind of get bigger and have more fellowship groups. Um, I think we have a working structure to where we can we can support that and we can work in that. We'll tweak it over time and make it better. Um, we may blow up huge, we may not. We can just plant and we can water and we can trust God for the growth in whatever he wants to do. Um, if we get huge and we have fellowship groups all over Los Angeles, it will only be successful if we're making disciples, not just gathering people. Again, because that might have just killed off other churches, which may kind of be like zero in God's economy. Um, if we stay 30 people, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not making disciples as we've seen with people who have moved away from us and said, hey, what I see here, on it, like, I want to continue this where I'm moving to. Um, but we don't have to know, I don't have to know where this particular church is going. I think we have to know that we're committed to this mission of making disciples. And if we do that, we will be doing the right thing, regardless of what the appearance of or the result looks like. Um, so to look forward to this year and the future um, is just that we get to make disciples together. It's a daunting task, I think, for us as individuals to, to make disciples. But in partnership now with, with the same goal, we can do that together. We get to serve each other and others those who don't believe, together. We get to be known, and as scary as that might sound, I think deep down we all want that, or at least know that we need that. We get to spend time with people, especially our church, not just managing events and making sure we get the next event to happen, but we can actually pour our energy resource into relationships and talking to people and getting to know people and challenging people, which I love. we can lean into the realities of heaven right here in our community. Not perfectly, but a, a taste of that because of what God's doing among us. We get to celebrate real eternal success together. Not just, oh, cool, we pulled this off, oh, but was it really worth it? Did it really mean anything? But no, we have purpose. Like we, we know what we are called to do and we can work towards that together. We get to do what the one with all authority in heaven and on earth instructs us and empowers us to do together and we get to see each other and hopefully others in the future look more and more like our savior jesus mm-hmm. and honestly y'all i am it's maybe a close tie with when i first moved here but i'm more excited than ever to pursue these things with our church um, uh, just a couple of bullet points to end on this the, the my explanations and stuff are over. I just want to tell you a couple of things that we have coming up. Um, and some of you know some of these. We have a, a parenting conference coming up called Intentional Parenting. It's about making disciples of your kids. Um, we have a, a, a and, and that's February 9th and 10th. I think most of us are kind of locked in that are going to be a part of that. Um, if, if you've kind of been bouncing the idea around and talk to Mary Beth a little bit about it and just firm up whether you're doing that or not, because we've are we lined up places to stay um, We're going to do some sort of training for marriage and some sort of training for people who are not married, and that training won't look like how you can <laughs> prepare yourself to get married exactly, um, as if that's the goal for all the unmarried people. Um, sometime in uh, April or May, we might partner with other churches in that. Um, May, or March 30th, I'm super excited about this. We talked a little bit about it a couple weeks ago, or last week, last Sunday. Um, we're going to have a Passover uh, Seder meal here, and there is a um, a guy that's going to come here and show us how the, the Jewish feast of Passover and all the kind of interesting, kind of weird things that that... They eat during that meal. How those things point to Jesus Christ, and and we're gonna it's it's gonna be like I'm super pumped. It's gonna be super helpful to us, especially as we've been reading through the Old Testament, um, just to see how hey this this story that that God's written is about Jesus um, all the way back to the Exodus and the Passover. Um, So that's March 30th, Good Friday. It'll be a dinner meal. We're having lamb. And um, we'll try to mark that off on your calendar. Um, April 1st, which is Easter on April Fool's this year. Um, um, I'm hoping that we're actually going to combine with another church or two for that um, and worship with them. Um, May 23rd, we're going to have a creative response night, which I won't explain that. But that's right as we're in between. We finished the Old Testament right at that time and we're gonna take a week on a Wednesday night to have a time of creative response. Um, We'll have some time in the summer, like an all church fun day, either at the beach or somebody's house that's a little bit out of town. Um, We'll have our retreat again in October or early November, maybe um, kind of our all church family vacation. (coughs) And then I wanted to say cross my fingers, maybe I should say Lord willing. In 2019 or 2020, TBD, um, I'm fairly convinced that we're going to plan an Israel trip, okay? So, um, start saving is what I want to tell you this um, Hopefully, yeah, hopefully the the church funds can kind of subsidize a little bit of that, but it's still going to, it's costly, right, to go over there. Um, y'all, it's not, it's not just to take a, a fun vacation, though no, I think it'll be a fun vacation, um, but I, it, for me and most people that I've talked to that have spent any time there, it helps us to read scripture in an all new, helpful way. It changes the way I think we think about the reality of the story that's written about in the Bible. Um, so 2019, 2020, we'll probably partner with Eternity Bible College on that so we can make it a cheaper trip so we can have enough people. Um, And lastly, just a few things that are still um, developing, just to keep you informed of what's coming up this year, um, I hope that we're going to start partnering with some other local churches a little bit more. Um, We're part of a bigger church of LA, and the little difficulties that we have as a small church, some of that can be easily remedied by realizing, hey, we're part of more than just our own local church. And so um, I'm talking to two or three other churches about how we can do a few more things together without packing our schedule. We're not just going to add on a bunch of events, but maybe replace some things periodically um, together. I think that's a good uh, financial uh, way to think about God's resources. And also, I think it's especially good for those who are desiring more um, discipleship with people in the same stage of life. Um, So... I know that whatever stage of life you're in here, you probably think, well, man, I just, there's not a lot of people that are like me in this church, whether you're single or married without kids or married with kids or older or younger or whatever. Like I've heard from almost every age group um, or, or, or stage of life in this group. I just, I feel like I'm the only one. And there's just, okay, uh, we're a small church of 30 people. I understand that. But there's some benefit of doing some things with other churches where parents can know other parents of toddlers and where, um, single people can know other single people who are honoring the Lord in that, and then you know that sort of thing so um, I hope to kind of make a move on some of those things I talked about elders um, we're going to talk more about that but I think shared leadership in the church is very biblical um, not meaning we're going congregational where everybody kind of votes on everything but but actually appointing some people that we say you know these um, these are are the spiritual leaders in our church we kind of have um, moved toward those types of things. I'm sharing some leadership already. Um, you, you might notice, I and Mary Beth, we have very little roles in the fellowship meals. We, we're a host home, but that's all that we are responsible for anyway at that time. Um, some of the teaching is is shared. It's not just, here's what Jared wants to teach on, but that's a, there's a team of people that have been coming together. There were, we have a few times last year, and we're going to start that back up again, where it's like, hey, what how can we shepherd the church? What does the church need to hear about? And it's not just the main teacher who's making all of those decisions. Um, we have we've had Eric and Jovan kind of in the fellowship groups and, and kind of this role that we call spiritual overseer who've just had their kind of had their minds just wrapped around. Hey, I just want to you know make sure that there's somebody giving some some uh, oversight to this group and the and the doctrine and the teaching that's going on. And so there's ways that we've kind of been, been moving towards that, but we're, we've, I'm dead set on moving towards that as, um, as quickly as possible, um, partly because I don't want the finger always being pointed at me. <laughs> um, and. Um, I'm, I think maybe in the next year or two, I know there's a number of families here who have had an interest in foster care. I think that's something that God seems to be doing in the heart of a lot of our people or adoption. And he's dropped Jessica Valdez and that relationship into our church who oversees her is you know, a director Olive Crest. And so I can see some, some things as a church as kind of partnering together in some kind of efforts when it comes to that. Um, we're going to land on some hopefully helpful discipleship material this year for, for either like 203s to kind of go through or if there's a new believer and somebody else wants to just walk them through some basics of the faith, we're have some recommended kind of resources for that and figure out good stuff for that. Um, looking at parking solutions and meeting solutions so you don't have to walk 16 blocks to get here on Wednesday or to get to your fellowship meal or whatever. Um, Hopefully, with uh, United Mission Church, just at least being able to use their parking lot, maybe their space. Um, We'll see what needs to happen with children's ministry, and hopefully move towards that. And lastly, and then I'm done, um, I hope that we can land on an all-church kind of communication tool, like I think an app that doesn't force people into participating in the evil Facebook or Instagram. So so we to,
1: yeah. <laughs> Good,
0: So here's what i'm going to do i in order to to let people like get out to what you need to do um that's what i'm gonna end here i'm gonna pray and then if you have questions about what i said tonight i'm i'll, I'll be here till tomorrow, because I live here, so let's fun. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we'll have, you know, more conversation about <laughs> these things, but I hope this has been helpful. Let me pray. Father, I'm uh, thankful for who you have brought to this local church, and um, we just really want to honor you. We really want to glorify Jesus. We really want to proclaim the the goodness of who you are and see disciples being made and baptizing new believers in your name and, um, and then also learning together how we can be obedient to you. Um, it's required of us and it's best for us. And um, God, I believe that you are empowering us to do what you, want us, what you want us to accomplish. And I'm so thankful for the people in this living room uh, and those that aren't able to join us tonight, would you unite us in heart and mind toward mission, and um, we're going to trust you with the result. Amen. Amen. Amen.